Welcome back, everybody, to The Practical Woodsman. I'm Rut, the creator and host of The Practical Woodsman. That's right, it's my genius that brought this all about. This week I'm going to tell you about a 30 to 40 mile wilderness excursion I got coming up. And uh, I'm going to share some of the details of the things I'm going to be packing along for that trip. I'm going to thank a couple of people for their positive reviews, and I'm going to offer some commentary in return. And I have a few other possible topics lined up if we have enough time. And to close out the show today, I'm going to give you an update to my puppies and how they're coming along and show you some video of that for those of you who are watching the video. You might be able to hear them there in the background. Welcome back. Here we are again, the Practical Woodsman. And I'm so glad to have you guys here with me this week. I really think it's going to turn out to be a good show. You know, I, when I sit down and do these things, I can never be quite sure. Because at the beginning, a lot of things are just going off the cuff. It ain't really until the end of the show when I'm doing the ed editing, when I really get a sense of how the show's going to turn out. But I appreciate you you folks being here. I mentioned what uh, we're going to be talking about this week. My plans for an upcoming excursion. I know you guys have been waiting, waiting patiently to see me actually get out into the woods again. And uh, so that's happening. It's happening here in the next uh, few weeks. So I'm eager to talk to you about that. To get the show started, what I'd like to do is mention these reviews, these positive reviews uh, that I discovered here just this week on uh, Apple Podcasts. You know the show's pretty young, and uh, I got curious. I said, I wonder if anybody's left any reviews there on my on Apple Podcasts. So I, I went there, and lo and behold, a couple of people did leave reviews. And uh, I just wanted to take out time to thank you folks for doing that. I mean, you know who you are. I'm very grateful that you, you took the time out of your busy lives to write me a positive review and I was half expecting some mean angry reviews and I, so far I haven't seen that now that's not to say that there won't be it's just that they aren't there yet so the first uh, review that I saw there says uh, big fan of this gentleman called me a gentleman now that's buddy your your checks in the mail called me a gentleman and said he's a big fan of uh, my perspectives. And then he goes on to say this. He says, I've always, and he or she, uh, he or she says, I've always had trouble connecting with others who enjoy the outdoors because they're always fixated on different aspects of the outdoors than I am. And it's hard to articulate what and why I enjoy it and the reason I do it compared to the majority of others. But this fella hits the nail on the head. I just want to be out there, at home, intimate with the woods. That's the primary objective. Thank you, brother. You get it. You know where I'm coming from. It's a, it's a returning to the familiar. And um, 
I was just uh, this upcoming backpacking trip or this upcoming excursion that I've got happening. I really don't like to call call it backpacking trips, but this upcoming excursion that I've got, uh, I've invited a couple of guys that uh, have never been out there before. And uh, one of the one of the guys that I've invited, uh, you know, he didn't grow up like me. He grew up in town, but uh, I was checking with him today. I said, "Are you going to be able to make it? Are you are you serious about doing this?" And uh, he said, "You know, I'm convinced that this would be good for my soul." And it was interesting to me to hear a city boy <laughs> say that because that's what it is it's like i'm a battery and after so much time in civilization in an in the unnatural world in the man-made world my batteries get low and getting back out into mother nature truly out there uh immersed in mother nature rejuvenates my batteries i mean it just does so much good i was telling him also uh, another guy's going planning to go with me uh, I told him, I said, you know, after we do this, uh, he was talking to me about trying to get on a diet. And I told him, you know what? After you do this, you will continue to see your body reacting to it positively. I mean, you'll begin, you'll continue seeing the benefits of having been out there for like the next two, three weeks. Many of you out there, I'm sure, would agree with me. When you get out there, everything you're doing is work. <laughs> Everything you do is work. And it's just been true for every every excursion I've ever gone on that when I come back, my body continues to act as if I'm still doing all that work. So for the next two or three weeks, after I'm I'm not even in, in out there anymore, but I'm in my living room or I'm here in my studio working, uh, my body continues to act as if I'm still out there in the forest doing all that work and so the health benefits of it are just tremendous anyway interesting to see a city feller talking about having to go out and refresh his soul and he's never been out there before never done anything like this before so I think he's a little spooked about it uh, this other feller he's a little spooked about it but I keep telling him there you're gonna be okay and in fact once we uh, you have this experience I'll be real surprised if uh, you don't become addicted to it. So thank you for that first review there that I just read. Please, if you like the show, uh, and I will tell you what, I was just thinking in these last couple of weeks, do I really need to be doing this uh, this podcast? Should, should I not just be doing the videos? And uh, so these reviews come at just the time to indicate to me that I should continue going with the audio-only podcast version of this show as well. So, again, you guys who left this uh, these reviews, I can't thank you enough. The second review goes like this. It's kind of of the same nature. It says, uh, intelligent discussion for those interested in bushcraft, survival, backpacking, and outdoor exploration. A refreshing perspective that brings it all back down to earth, both figuratively and literally, as the host's deep love for the wilderness and the solitude he seeks is nothing short of infectious. If I ever write a book, I'm having you guys write the the foreword because, man, that's some poetic stuff that really, I think, expresses well my attitude toward the wilderness and 
uh, what a lot of people call bushcraft and survival and, and all that stuff. The woods is like a lover that I return to. And uh, the solitude out there, even, you know, like, for example, I'm going out there with these couple of guys, the solitude that you can experience while you're out there, even if you're with somebody, is like nothing you can experience here in the the modern world. Here, By the way, the, the pups are, sounds like they're feeding right now. You might hear them whining. You might hear them suckling at the teat. I hope it doesn't bother you because I'm not going to try to edit it out or work around it or anything. I'm just going to let, it, let the noises be what they are. You know, we've talked about the fact that uh, my observations of people who are going out there for purposes that are completely foreign to me. Um, And while I was reading these reviews, I was reminded of a time, I don't know why this memory popped back into my head, but uh, my ex-wife from in Philly, uh, she and I took a trip together, Took went out on one of these excursions together. And I think I've told you I don't do the the AT anymore, the Appalachian Trail, because it's just like a, it's just like Disney World. Most of the time, it's just like Disney World. I mean, unless you get to, there are sections that are less traveled than others. But you know, if you're if you're going with a wife or a child or something like that on a first time, you very naturally might pick something low key that uh, that'll be easy for for who you're taking. And so I had done that, and I'd picked like a, a section of the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> and um, this memory popped into my head today while I was reading the reviews of these these guys or these girls. The, when my wife and I set up camp, we set up camp up kind of on this hill on that first night. And uh, it was like 5 p.m. in the, right at the beginning of autumn. And I said, hang on, I'll be right back. I went down over the hill to a, a creek or a stream down there to get some water, re- bring back some water and get <laughs> try and get some water out of there. And, and I see uh, some shaving cream floating on top of the water in this stream. And I look up and there's a guy upstream shaving in that creek. And he had uh, set his tent back here, did not have a fire going or anything like that, brushing his teeth, shaving, getting ready for bed. And it was only like 5 p.m. Later, so to, to make a long story short, I went and got my water from a different source. But um, for those of you who don't know, don't put your shaving cream in the water. Also, soap. Don't put soap in the water. That'll kill, whatever, that'll kill all the life in that creek or that stream. And uh, a lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that growing up. You know, I grew up in Appalachia, in the Appalachian wilderness, and I had an uncle named Howard, and uh, they didn't have running water either. But they lived right down the road from us, and we would go down to this pond we called Nola's Pond and fish and swim and those sorts of things. Well, because they didn't have running water, my uncle Howard and his so his brothers would come to visit every once in a while. They'd go down to that pond and just get in with a bar of soap and and bathe in that pond and i've since learned that that is terrible it is terrible for the the ecosystem in any body of water so you know how would you know you wouldn't know you just think well the fish will go to the other side of the pond until it all settles and everything 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 will be fine but no that uh that soap can kill all the life in a pond or definitely strain it 
you know, in a, in a big enough pond, maybe it's not going to do that much damage, but it's going to do damage nonetheless. See? See? You guys heard me talking about throwing my little plastic sandwich wrapper in the, the campfire and thought that I didn't care about the environment. But I do care about the environment. That's why I'm not opposed to throwing the sandwich bag into the campfire. Because if I thought that that the alternative was a, a better solution for the environment, then I would do the alternative. But it's not. <laughs> so I care about the environment. Don't go washing your pots and pans and stuff out in the creek with soap or your body or anything like that. And while we're on that subject... You know, you can go to places like REI, Walmart, stuff like that, and they make concentrated, what they call biodegradable soap for use in the woods. Do you know that you cannot even use that biodegradable soap in the creeks and streams and lakes and ponds and stuff? No, it's just as bad for the fish as any other soap. So you're, pay, you're going to REI, and you're paying a premium for soap that you think is safe for the environment, like safer for the environment than other soap, and it's not. What you want to do all the time, if you're going to be washing or something, your your pots and pans or your body or anything like that, is you want to scoop that water out, get away from the water source, and then use the soap on dry land. Even if it's that biodegradable, special, <laughs> super expensive soap, you that's what you want to do. So I, you, I don't even buy the special soap anymore I, I do buy concentrated soap from time to time but I don't spend what they're asking for for it at like Cabela's or at uh, REI and stuff like that no need for that it's all it's all marketing it's all marketing but anyway uh, we were talking about this guy and my ex-wife and I being on this trip and this guy shaving and brushing his teeth in the creek that might end up being the one I, the pup I pick out. You hear that attitude there? See, I like attitude. I like that's. I like that. I like grit. Um, and things like that. So anyway, back to this guy in PA. He set up a shelter. I got my water from somewhere else. Went back uh, to the fire, talking to my. I said, "Man, I almost drank a bunch of." shaving cream uh, and beard stubble from a guy who was shaving in the in the water source right upstream but but hidden in the bushes and the trees and stuff so you couldn't see him and later i went back down to check him i mean i'm not kidding you it was like 30 minutes later went back down there so now it's like 5 36 o'clock he's in bed he's already in bed and i'll tell you i know why but because his primary purpose for being out there was what can you guess knock out miles knock out miles can't you do that on a treadmill can't you do that running around a park or somewhere in the town i mean straight to bed no fire no time around the fire no flask of whiskey sitting next to the fire under the stars stargazing talking to God, thinking about the past, contemplating the future, no good conversation, no straight to bed. I mean, there's only one reason for that. You're either destroyed physically 
I mean, you've just hiked 30 miles and you're just destroyed physically. And so the only thing you want to do is go to bed. But even then, <laughs> it supports my theory, doesn't it? That this individual is only interested in knocking out miles. Listen, I'll tell you something about me that these two guys who left the positive reviews for me can understand. I'm very hard to pry away from the campfire because for me, it's all about the experience of being out there. The the hiking is kind of an, a means to an end. I, I want to get away from everybody and get to areas where nobody else can get to. And the only way to do that is on foot. So I'm seeking solitude and the hiking is a means to an end to do that. If I could just instantly transport out into the middle of, you know, the hundred mile wilderness, I might do that too. And then explore within like a, a 10 mile radius of that, of that spot. But, you know, the hike in itself is not um, one of my primary objectives. I mean, I'm talking about the physical exertion of being out there and hiking. It's fine. It's just not my primary purpose. My primary purpose is that intimacy with the woods. Exploration in isolation. I don't want to hear highway. I don't want to hear the big rigs going down the road. And I mean, you know, you really have to get far out to get away from those types of sounds. You hear that pup over there? Oh, grit and grace. <laughs> that, that might end up being his name. Grit and grace. <laughs> what I'm saying is that when you're out in the wilderness, those sounds travel so far. So you really have to get out in order to get beyond where those sounds can carry to you. But I love it. I love getting out there away from all that. And... Um, for me, really, around camp at night, when you've seen so many amazing things during the day, and now you got your camp set up, you've done all this work. See, here, here's the nature of these excursions. It's just work, 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 nonstop work all day long. Everything you do is work. Then you get to a place where you want to set up a camp. By the way, what do you do if you hit a wall or something? and uh, you haven't reached a, some designated quote-unquote camp site what do you do well i'll tell you what i do i create my own campsite yes i do that's what's in my mind all the time i can set up a camp here anywhere anywhere i want what if you're not supposed to do that well my question is who's going to come along 25 miles <laughs> back in the middle of the mountains in the middle of the night and discover you there sleeping and having a little campfire where you're not supposed to be <laughs> so right or wrong that's how i do it and, and you know i would not do it like right off the edge of a trail what i'd do is i'd hike down deep into the woods off of a trail and set a camp there nobody's ever going to come across that it, many times many times i've got started late on a on an excursion in the back country and i go for a couple hours and it gets to be one o'clock in the morning and I look at the topo map and I see that there's a designated uh, camp spot five miles. You hear that? Man, I'm telling you what, grit and grace over there. Oh, grit and grace. Uh, a designated camp spot like on the map, maybe five miles up ahead, and I just don't got that in me. Or if I were to do that, 
then you know I'd be getting to bed at three o'clock in the morning and I don't want to do that so I'll just uh, get off the trail far enough that nobody's ever going to stumble upon that spot wherever I pick I usually I try to find it by water and I just get a fire going you know that that's one of the beautiful things about having grown up like I did because we I did it all the time in the woods that I grew up in you don't need a special fire ring in most woods now in some woods you do if I were out there out west in California or something like that where they have all these uh, dry, huge dry spells yeah I would take many precautions many precautions before I would build a fire anywhere outside of a designated area I would take definite precautions but having grown up in the woods where we had plenty of dry spells I've learned how to do that but anyway for me it's all about that experience being around camp at night and seeing the stars um, you know in the morning waking up to the sounds in the woods getting up having my coffee sitting around uh, dilly-dallying and I think I get some of these city folks out there they they are up in the morning they want to go they they eat a, a, a breakfast bar or something like that, and they want to go. Well, I say, slow down, Hoss. We're out here for the experience, and I want to experience my breakfast and the, the surroundings that we're in for a little while. If it sets us back a couple miles, well, that's going to have to be the way it is. Stars, conversation around the fire, um, the smells of the woods, Oh man, I got so many stories to tell you guys, and there's just never enough time in any show for me to do it. Uh, there was one night I got started real late, and this was like in October, maybe later than that. It might have been November. Old bratty boy and I got a fire going. It was cold that night. Just him and me, and sitting there by the fire, no shelter. I had a shelter. I just I don't set up a shelter unless there's indications that there's going to be rain or something. If there's even the slightest indication that there's going to be rain or snow or anything like that, then I will put up the shelter. I might not sleep in it, but I put it up, and then I might sleep by the fire. The thinking behind that being that uh, if, if I don't have to sleep in the shelter, I'm not, I ain't going to do it. I want to be out. I want to be out. But it's set up, so if it starts raining in the night... You know, that's the last thing on earth I want to be doing at 4 o'clock in the morning is jumping up and trying to put up a shelter. So I put it up anyway if there's an indication that there might be rain, and then I sleep outside of the shelter. Old Bradbury and I were out there outside the shelter next to the fire, and I heard this rustling through the woods and uh, got up to investigate, and it was a snake. It really shocked me that a snake was out in those low temperatures and uh, you should be seeing a video of that here of that snake I caught do you know what I did with that snake <laughs> I I ate the snake tastes like chicken it's all about the experience um, there was a time that I I was out with my buddy Jeff where we come to camp and I did just put up my shelter like that guy I'm complaining about who was shaving in the creek upstream I wouldn't have minded so much if he had done it downstream yeah, I reckon I would. Because all the shaving cream and stuff is like polluting. The crystal clear stream out there in the middle of the woods, but it's the Appalachian Trail, remember? That's the point that I was trying to make earlier. Appalachian Trail is like, a, it's like Disney World. 
and that reminds me when i went down into grand canyon you know the trail in areas is only i mean really narrow and at the side of the trail you, you could fall three thousand feet where do you reckon folk go to poop down in grand canyon well there is nowhere else to go there's a wall on one side there's a three thousand foot drop on the other side in many sections of the trail and so you're walking down grand canyon and you you come across all this human excrement on the trail haphazardly covered in rocks whatever rocks they could find i mean if you know you're going to be on a trail for six to eight hours don't you think you would spend the night before the day before emptying out your bowels and and taking care of that you wouldn't like preemptively plan for that no there's a lot of people don't you go down into grand canyon there's poop all the way down not not all the way down but i'll tell you more than once more than once i come across a a bend in a on the trail where somebody just take taking a dump right alongside the trail and haphazardly tried to cover it up with a few rocks went and did this uh, trail the the western trail out in northern pennsylvania northeastern pennsylvania a couple years ago get into this camp we're 10 miles in get into the and this was a designated camp get into this designated camp get all set up and everything and my dog keeps wanting to check out this thing keeps wanting to run over to this area just right there near the camp and go over there and check out and big old human poop right on top of the ground toilet paper strewn everywhere where the wild animals have gotten into it and the person clearly did not bother to try to bury it you know i'm i'm going all over the place this week with this conversation but talking last night to somebody this guy's wife who who i i'm offering to take with me on this trip and she's like uh talk asking me some questions and everything and i'm answering for her and she says well but but let's wait a second aren't you all about leave no trace i told her where in the heck did you get that idea no i'm not leave leave no trace like i'm not packing my poo out in a friggin bag like a lot of these fanatics do i'm not doing that but i will bury it heck i will do that so you know i'm not i'm not a fanatic i'm also not a follower a blind follower of the quote-unquote rules that a lot of city folk could come up with like rei who by the way back to that subject if you think that rei and cabela's and these corporations care about getting the right type of people in the woods you're out of your mind they all they're interested in is selling you just selling you stuff they just want to sell you stuff and in order to do that they will poeticize and romanticize the idea of being out there to everybody as many people as they can trust me they want as many people as they can get recruited and out into the woods and i'm not that i'm not that i'm not rei i'm not cabela's if if you don't have common sense you don't belong out there i don't want you out there yeah, there's a lot of people you see talking about these sorts of things and their whole thing is like the more people out there the better the better no no that's not my that's not my policy my policy is not the more people out there the better in fact i'd like most people to stay out because i'm not trying to sell you a sleeping bag 
I'm not trying to sell you a titanium cup. I'm trying to sell you a, a respectful admiration for the natural world. But if you're only interested in getting out there and knocking out 15 miles a day, you're not my audience. If you think that I think that the, the thing that the world needs is for everybody in the cities and everything to, to be out in the woods, experience in the woods. No, most of you belong in front of a TV, playing computer games, and those sorts of things. In air conditioning, in an RV, in some RV park. Those are the things most of you need to be doing. And it makes you happy, so it's not an insult. If it makes you happy, and it's better it's better suited to the things that you're interested in then it's not an insult but the people I want out in the woods are people who revere the woods and want to be out there to experience that that reverence for the woods holy mackerel time is getting away from me so let me tell you about this upcoming backpacking trip here I've got my backpack already packed and um, I haven't weighed this I know everybody's like crazy about weighing their packs and I don't do that typically I can tell by, by just lifting it up if it's gonna be good or if it's not gonna be good and I'll tell you something about summer backpacking every time I do it I swear it'll be the last time I do it because even though I love all four seasons equally uh, the older I get just the it's not heat that bothers me it's humidity I don't even mind the bears I don't mind the, the rattlesnakes I don't mind skeeters I don't mind anything like that what I mind is the humidity and uh, just uh, last summer I went on this long excursion one morning I got up and I knew man that the humidity was just gonna be brutal I was on the top of this mountain come down off this mountain out of water I knew that I would find water at the bottom of the mountain. So we got down to the bottom of the mountain, start going up this holler up and up into this ravine, had like a 3000 foot climb up into this ravine. But the vegetation in that holler, the sun come up and caught us up in the middle of that. I'm climbing that thing just one step at a time. But the humidity trapped in that holler with all that vegetation and the sun coming up and absolutely no wind, no moving air whatsoever. I tell you what, every step for 3,000 feet climbing that mountain, I said to myself, I will never, ever do this again. And there, you know, there are other uh, undesirable things that happen during the summer. For example, thunderstorms. Lightning storms, thunderstorms. Uh, not a big fan of lightning. Um, I, you know, I've learned how to handle it out there, but you have to become practically like a professional meteorologist in the summertime to be able to predict when a storm is going to hit because you don't want to be up on top of a mountain in the middle of a vicious lightning storm. It's like the worst place to be. Let me paint a scenario for you. You're, you're hiking down in, the, in a holler. Now you come to a mountain that you absolutely have to climb it's like a 3,000 foot mountain or more and you're looking at the sky and trying to decide if I get started will some thunderstorm catch me halfway up 
and so you're really trying to read all the signs look at what the trees are doing listen to the wind you're looking at the clouds and everything like that and and you really do have to become like a master uh, meteorologist in the summertime to figure out what what exactly is going on here and you're trying to you see you're trying to predict what the weather's gonna do in like two hours because the last thing you want to happen is for the thunderstorm or lightning storm come in on you right at a point where you're like halfway up then you're i mean you're in a world of hurt because you could actually be in the lightning cloud or the thunder cloud so uh, there's a lot of drawbacks to summer excursions but every year every time i go out there i swear man this is the last time i'll do the other three seasons i ain't doing midsummer but i love i love the woods so much that every summer rolls around and i just completely disregard whatever i'd said the summer before i'm ready to go out there i don't care if i have to deal with lightning storms i don't care if i have to deal with whatever i just want to be out there and uh, if summer yeah as often as i possibly can and you know there are some benefits to being out there in the summertime too we'll talk about this on another occasion all right so i've got this uh pack up here i would say this probably weighs right now 15 pounds and let's see the way we'll do this is i'm going to set this back down on the floor then i'll start taking stuff out of it i'll show it on the camera and i'll describe it to you folks who are just listening on the audio okay so there's what the pack looks like like i said i'm i'm holding this with no difficulty whatsoever so it's it's not very heavy the only thing i don't have in there yet is my black my blanket which is a down blanket it compresses down to like smaller than a loaf of bread that's what i use in the summer months and my food i don't have my food in there yet the reason why i don't have my blanket in there is because i don't want it to be compressed before this far out from the trip i want to keep it loft you know being able to loft as easily as possible first here on the outside this is brand new i don't always take a hatchet with me in the back country but uh i i had an opportunity to review this thing from amazon and uh, man i'll tell you what when this thing come i was blown away the pictures don't do it justice and you know it's like anything when you see the pictures of it of this gear nowadays they can make it look beautiful but as far as the quality of it you don't know if it's high quality or not until you get it because they can make something that's so cheaply made look like it's high quality and then you get it and it ain't but here's this hatchet it's kind of a cross between a hatchet and a tomahawk and I thought, well, I'll never carry that thing because it's going to be so heavy. It ain't heavy. I mean, it is a work of art, this thing. It's just so beautiful. I've told you this in the past. You know, I'm all about practicality. But when I can find both wrapped up in a single package, practicality and beauty, that's, oh, man, for me, that's the sweet spot. So in the description here of the show, I will list the name of this product and I just hope all of you run out there and get one of these. I, it's just a beautiful, beautiful piece of gear, this this hatchet that I'm showing everybody. Got a very ergonomic handle in it. Got a beautiful blade. It comes with a, a sharpening stone. <laughs> I put this string here on the handle myself. I, I do that with everything with this uh, bright orange paracord as often as I can. I got like the same paracord 
on my belt knife and the reason i do that is because like i've said in the past if i drop something in the woods i want to be able to see it but also i want to be able to hang that when i get into camp often you'll find a tree that's got some broken off branches or something like that and then you can just hang that off the tree and hang your cooking gear off the tree and it's just kind of like you know you've got a uh, nature's organizer right there as long as you tie some string or tie some paracord on things and uh, you can hang things very easily but there you go it's it's beautiful ain't it i mean that's just a a beautiful piece of gear and it weighs less than a gerber plastic handled uh hatchet that i bought years ago and carried for many years i don't carry a gun or anything like that with me in the woods my, my dog is always my my defense system my early warning system but uh, you know pack of uh yotes you get nearby camp in the middle of the night or something you know fire's going down uh, i will get my belt knife out and kind of have it ready just in case but you know what's better than having your belt knife ready just in case having a tomahawk slash hatchet golly gee man that thing it's just a beautiful piece of gear so okay enough about that i haven't got to use this out in the woods this will be my first trip that i get to use this and i'm looking forward to to showing it off to everybody all right next piece of gear is brand new my shelter i've always carried like a a staff um and you know i've done a show about how why walking sticks are stupid but this thing is made out of cuban fiber and it's super light and it, it extends and uh, so i don't have to carry a staff anymore and this also is a thing that i got to review on for amazon and uh, i asked them to send this to me and it weighs next to nothing it collapses down and i'll show you here that i that it's extendable the folks who are watching the video can see things extends and uh i think that'll that'll extend to something like 12 feet or 10 it, it's a nice piece of gear i'm happy to have it this will be the first time i get to use it and that's how i'm gonna that's how i'm gonna set my shelter yeah i don't like typical tents um i don't like your your tents like you get from cabela's and rei and stuff like that they're not they're not woodsman woodsmansy enough for me I like to feel like I'm roughing it in touch with nature at the same time provided with enough shelter and because a lot of timber rattlesnakes this time of year are on the move in order to be able to mate you run into a lot of timber rattlesnakes out on the eastern side of the United States so this is not the time of year that you can be lax about the timber rattlesnakes here where I'm at and now when I plan a trip into the backcountry I have that in mind you know it helps me decide whether I want to take a dog it helps me decide um, do I do I want to sleep in a, a shelter that is open on all sides or do I want to be enclosed in and protect myself from that because it's not uh, out of the question that you might end up with a timber rattlesnake in your in your sleeping bag with you man that's a problem you don't have to worry about in the winter time you don't have to worry about anything waking up with you in your sleeping bag next up my stool again all this stuff will be in the description of the show but uh it's made out of man the thing weighs nothing it weighs like a, a styrofoam cup best seat solution i've found for the backcountry and these things ain't cheap but uh, let me show you how they work it, it's a stool it's a collapsible stool and let me describe to everybody what i'm holding up it's about the size of a loaf of bread in length and it's a tri-legged stool but it it collapses and it's made out of like uh uh airline 
specific aluminum and stuff like that. Uh, it will not unfold into a seat until you extend the legs of it. And so this also is available on Amazon. It's not the cheapest option, but I'll tell you, I've I've used this in videos that you've seen all year round, and it's it's wonderful because you can throw that in your pack and and you don't feel you don't feel the weight of it. Also, it's not complicated. Yeah, you can open this thing up and be sitting on it in five five seconds or something like that. And uh, you can see there the seat is is like a, a a very durable netting. I just love it. The simpler things are. The legs, by the way, won't collapse until you've closed it up like you're ready to put it away really slick piece of gear and uh, I'm the only person I've seen using this thing I mean it's just so well designed this thing and you, you know you think because it doesn't have a back to it like a lot of the backpacking chairs are selling nowadays you think because it doesn't have a back to it you're not going to be as comfortable as somebody else uh, in camp out there but I mean you're saving pounds by carrying this thing and you'll see videos of me using this thing and after long days I've sat on this and did not miss the having a, a back support at all I mean, if you think about it when you're around the fire anyway at the end of the day you're cooking you're moving the fire around you're putting fire on and stuff like that I'll tell you that I think the the back supports are over celebrated I mean they're nice they're nice for lazy people <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say that they're nice but they're not they're not as necessary as most people would uh, would think here's my my knife this is a PKS mountain lion I love it I hate the, the camouflage case but uh, I really like knives like this that have this drop point design now I know that there are knives that are for different purposes like if you're going to skin a deer if you, if I can get my finger up there like that up near the tip I can skin anything I could fillet a fish with this would it be as easy to do as a fillet knife well maybe not I'm looking for what I can carry on my hip and my pack and this for just overall utility is a wonderful knife I want you to take a look at the spine of this PKS mountain lion knife look at the spine of that thing that's what I wanted I wanted something that if I had to get in there and and grind and bend and pull on that thing that the blade would never bend on me I would have to really put that thing through some abuse before it would do that it's got a 90 degree spine I use that to strike my ferro rod all the time it's high carbon steel which is not necessary, by the way, for striking a spark off your ferro rod. Did you know that? Um, I learned that by watching Lonnie over there at Far North Bushcraft. He broke a bottle one time, took a shard of the glass from that bottle, and struck his ferro rod with it and struck sparks. So it's a myth that you need high carbon steel to strike your ferro rod. No, what you need the high carbon steel for is sitting down and striking f sparks with a flint because the flint's going to hit that and send sparks of that high carbon steel off the blade to create a fire. But there's a lot of reasons not to do that. <laughs> there's easier ways to start fire. And that sort of thing is just playground type stuff. All right, another thing I always carry is uh, my Gone Boy blade for you know, getting, fire, getting firewood ready. So you might be asking, why am I carrying this tomahawk hatchet? Well, I don't know yet until I get out there if it's going to fit into my overall approach to the woods. I want it to. 
and that's just something about me. I really like never doing exactly the same thing twice when I get into the woods. I, I like to try new things and then know if it's if it's worth adopting or if it's not worth adopting. So th- this would be one of those things. I know it's not wintertime. It's not like we're going to be out there in a blizzard. By the way, folks, I don't have a dog right now. As you'll see at the end of the show, all my dogs are like three weeks old right now, getting ready to go into their fourth week of life. And it's going to be another month and a uh, another month or so before I can even get you know, choose which one of them is going to be best suited to be my companion and then start getting it out there to train it in the backcountry and I'm really looking forward to getting them out there uh, documenting all the, all of that on video so yeah, what a wonderful thing you guys are going to get to follow along the development of this new pup once I pick the dog that's going to be Braddy's successor and that dog gets to be is weaned then we're going to be out I'm going to be training that dog and you guys will get to be follow along that dog's development and training think about five years from now when we're on an adventure and you're going to remember back and go man it's so amazing seeing these videos of this guy and that dog out there in the woods because I remember seeing that dog as just this helpless little brand new puppy I'm really looking forward to that Uh, that's going to be an exciting part of this whole thing here in the belt I always carry a compass one of my cats by the way is named compass but uh, it's not an elaborate compass it's not like a a super duper complex compass it's just a a compass I got off of uh, Amazon you know I'm not trying to find treasure in the middle of the woods what I'm trying to do is map out general direction so you know I, I look at a topo map before I go out and I know like you know this town is to the north this town is to the southeast uh, this town is to the southwest uh, there's a there's roads to the east there's roads to the west and i know a general idea of where everything is so when i take a compass i'm not i'm not trying to like zero in on a specific tree trunk out in the middle of the woods all i need to know is where the general direction that i'm going in these little types of compasses work just fine for me and i'll tell you most of the time i don't need to use them i just pay attention to where the sun is for a general barren uh, that's usually enough for me my kooksa cup this is a luxury it's not something that has to go with me i mean if i really wanted to save weight i could completely do away without the kooksa cup but it's it's a small pleasure that uh so i usually try to take it whenever i can i got that out of golly i can't remember where i come from i can't might have come from switzerland but i got that off etsy and uh, I did a whole show about why you don't need to feel compelled to create your own kooksa cup. But there it is. I keep it oiled and everything. And it's just such a pleasure to be around camp and to be drinking booze out of that or um, hot coffee out of, or like hot teas, hot coffees to, to drink out of here because they don't heat up the lip. And um, also I keep that attached to the outside of my backpack, whereas my other cooking and drinking utensils are typically inside the backpack so because this thing is hanging on the outside of my backpack if i stop by a clear running creek or a stream or something and i and i want to drink and i can see that the water is safe to drink then i can just unclip this from my the outside of my backpack scoop and drink and it's been a nice thing this is my bcb crusader cup and mug and lid and uh, you've seen that many times, but I'll tell you what, let me show off the carry bag, the, you know, the shoulder bag that I carry this in. I made this myself, and uh, 
the reason why I made this is because so many carry bags for these canteen and cup combos are a real hassle, aren't they? I mean, if you folks have been out in the woods using this stuff, using this gear in these things, you know that they are a major hassle. You come to a creek, you want to refill your bottle. What happens? You get out your canteen and your cup, which is in a carry pouch, and you, you unsnap it, and you start trying to pull it out of there, and the bottle comes out, and the cup, it, take, it seems like it takes forever to get it out of there, doesn't it? Well, I said to myself, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that five-minute delay uh, of trying to get my cup out so I can pour water in my mug or my water bottle. So can I come up with something better? Well, I had an old pair of cotton cargo pants that I had used for years in the backcountry. And I said, well, I'm just going to make a, a pouch out of that. And so you should be seeing here on the camera that that is just the leg of one of my cargo pants that I used to backpack in the woods with all the time. And uh, what I did was I cut off the, the leg. So I've got a string at the top. It's just like a, a, a utility pouch or something like that, which has like the drawstring at the top. So I used paracord and I used one of those drawstring pinch devices where you pinch it and then the, you can pull it down the drawstring and then release whatever you've got in there. And now my whole set comes out. I don't, I don't have to be fighting with it. And I've got the lid for my cook set down there in the bottom. You, did you see how easily that comes in and out of there? And you can see that I sewed there paracord as a, as a shoulder strap. If you're going to make one for yourself, man, I tell you, it has saved me all sorts of hassle. You want to turn it inside out. The way I started was I, I started with the, the pant leg inside out. And I sewed by hand everything like that. And the way you do this is you just fold this over and get your cord in there. I sewed all that by hand. I don't own a a sewing machine doesn't have to be beautiful because you're going to turn it the other way inside out or the or the other way out and then you've got your pouch and that's what i carry my my cook set and water bottle in this is my toiletries bag what sort of so things do i have in my toiletries bag uh, i've got wet wipes toilet paper medicine my uh, toiletries bag is like my uh, toiletries bag and my medicine bag at the same time so i've got things like alka-seltzer diarrhea pills in there i carry excedrin and i also carry um, uh, aleve aleve is good for like back pains uh, arthritis uh, knee pains uh, any kind of throbbing pain uh, the aleve is good for toilet paper in a sandwich bag uh, baby wipes or wet wipes I carry to kind of wash up with toothpaste just a little traveler's toothpaste I carry a triple antibiotic and that's just like you know if I cut myself my dog cuts himself something like that I can squirt that triple uh, antibiotic salve on a cut or something like that and cover that up I have a toothbrush here foldable uh, it looks like a switchblade switchblade toothbrush and that's my whole toiletries bag right there Man, I'll tell you what, I have gotten 10 miles in the woods and my bowels have just wanted to let go. And it's been all I can do to get behind the tree line and get my pants down before I just explode. So, uh, you know, everybody, city people, be like, oh, Giardia, Giardia. They, that's the first thing they always blame it on, right? When they get diarrhea in the woods. Here's some other reasons why you would get diarrhea in the woods. 
because you're used to sitting in an office all the time. Yeah, you sit in a cubicle for 40 hours a week, and now you're in the woods hiking 40 miles in conditions that you've never experienced before. You're not in the air conditioning anymore. You're not you're not in a controlled environment and you're eating things that you've never ate before you don't think possibly that could result in diarrhea hey I t- i'll tell you what i went on a biking trip the other uh, last last summer went on a biking trip i'd never taken a long distance bike trip before and i got to a point in the in the afternoon where i had to pull that bike over and jump into the woods and i about pooped myself into oblivion was it giardia did the bottled water I was drinking give me giardia? No, it's the fact that I'm not used to pumping my legs like that for 40 miles on a summer day. Every time some city kid goes, oh, I went into the woods and I got giardia. I never believe it. Never. You, you, the odds of getting giardia are very small. <laughs> You're too scared to drink out of a creek or a stream. That is perfectly safe, by the way, probably. Yeah, the odds of you getting in there and getting giardia. I grew up my entire life drinking out of streams and creeks, and I don't remember ever getting giardia. But you city folk are walking into the woods on the first time and getting giardia? No, it's probably more likely you're not used to the conditions and the environment, and your body just ain't handling it well. You guys have seen this. This is my fancy-pantsy kettle which has just earned a permanent place in my pack. There it is again. My, what a beautiful kettle, man. I haven't bought a second one of those yet. I really need to. Before, everybody else catches on to the fact that they're just such a beautiful piece of gear, titanium kettle, and uh, start buying them all up, and then the price goes up to 150 bucks. But the one I got is pretty good. I got some teas in there. I've got some, I think... Okay. Oh, uh, I think some fire start, fire uh, tender, and stuff like that in there. All right, there's my kettle. This is new. This is brand new. Uh, I haven't got to use this yet. So, not a big fan of pop can stoves. I mean, I've used them in the past. I, I like to get a fire going on the ground and get that fire going. And here's one of these modern pop can stoves. I'll tell you what, these things have come a long, long way. But let me show you the the windshield for this pop can stove this is another item that Amazon offered to let me review it's titanium doesn't weigh anything and I'm just I'm really looking forward to getting that out there and trying this pop can stove so we'll see how that goes fire kit fat wood tender and more tender by the way that is the same fire kit I carry year-round you say well if you're going out there, it's going to be many degrees below freezing. Wouldn't you carry a more robust fire starting kit uh, than you do in the summer months? No, because you don't know what conditions you're going to encounter in the summer months. Like I said, there have been times where I've been walk, walk, hiking through pouring rain for three days straight, but still getting fire started. All right, sleeping pad. This is a, an inflatable sleeping pad. You, you say, boy, rut. For all of your backups and security and everything that you you try to make with your gear, I'm surprised you'd carry uh, an inflatable sleeping pad. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, you won't get a better night's sleep than on one of these inflatable sleeping pads. But uh, have I ever woke up 
in the middle of the night down on the, the ground. I have. And let me tell you what you can do. You can get up a lot of uh, debris off the woods, leaves and all kinds of stuff. And you can set a deflated one of these things on top of all that debris and you'll, and you'll still sleep pretty good. So even if you can't get it patched and reinflated, uh, these things insulate pretty good on top of, uh, you know, like some debris, like some collected debris. I'm taking gloves, working gloves, toboggan for my head, covers my ears. There you go. It's just one of many that I own. We call these toboggans. People call them beanies. People call them knit hats. Uh, but here in this particular area of Appalachia where I'm at, I ain't saying that all Appalachians call these toboggans, but that's what we, we growed up calling them. No matter how warm it is in the summertime, there is always a period between right before the sun comes up when it gets the coldest. I don't care if it was 100 degrees the day before, and it's going to be 100 degrees that day. There's a period right before sunrise where it always the temperature always gets the coldest. I don't want to like get buried into my under my blanket or anything like that and be breathing under my blanket. I'd rather just like reach over and put on my toboggan. I've got a Hydra Pack three liter bag here. These things are worth carrying because if you have to camp away from a water source, I I really prefer and try all the time to get right up next to a creek or a stream and have just running fresh water all night long but sometimes it doesn't work out or sometimes you know the uh, vista uh, a really beautiful view is just too much to pass up where you think golly to be able to sleep there tonight and watch the sun go down and be able to get up in the morning and watch the sun come up but it's at an elevation if there's no water up there it's nice to carry these things uh, which is just like a three liter water bladder and then I can fill that up in addition to my water bottle my BCB water bottle and you know hopefully have enough to get through the the night and the next day I'll tell you uh, my dog my dog always carries a he's he's my pack mule He's my pack mule in addition to a lot of other things. He, he works. Uh, he works as hard as I do. And uh, so when I have a dog and he's trained and he's out there, he's my companion, uh, I put saddlebags on him and he carries his share. And these dogs, these particular breed of dogs that I use uh, as my companions, they're hardy and they are chock full of energy. And uh, so yeah, I laugh sometimes when I look, like when I'll get a pack or something for a dog, and it'll say, like, don't exceed this many pounds. And I say to myself, well, that's like styrofoam for my dog. If I didn't exceed that many pounds, my dog would not be tired when we got into camp. I'll tell you what, I can load my dog up like a, like a pack mule, <laughs> and it doesn't slow him down all day long. But when we get into camp, he's tired. He's ready to rest just like the rest of us. Here's the shelter I'm taking, and I'll show you guys what this looks like pitched. It's a TP tent, and I have an insert into it so that I can be closed off inside of it, but then there's this working space outside of that enclosed space where I can store things, and I've used this many times. One of my favorite, one of my favorite shelters. Um, there's enough space for me and my dog, when I have a dog, 
in the enclosed space that keeps us closed off from skeeters it keeps us closed closed off from snakes stuff like that and i only carry the uh, the inner part of this shelter like this time of year when timber rattle uh, and only in certain areas but because of the area where we're going into and i and i know that these timber rattlesnakes are on the move um i'm taking the inner section of this too uh you know fire starting kit here that i've got it's got a a lighter i, I also i've taken to carrying uh, pepper spray so like i told you earlier i don't carry a gun but this pepper spray should do the trick in most most cases i have a ferroserum rod here in the back here i've got matches and i've got some spare batteries all right so there's that and then i have my headlamp I've got my titanium spoon. You guys have seen this titanium spoon many times, I think. Made by, made by Human Gear. Once I find something I, I like, I stick with it until, until I come across something better. There's my handheld flashlight. Here's something about these flashlights. I hate that every flashlight you buy nowadays has like all these functions. You like click once for this, click twice for this, click three times for this, click quickly for this and quick slowly for this. And you just give me a flashlight that has a single beam and I just click the button once and it turns on and I click it again and it turns off. Is that too much to ask for? Well, apparently it is. Just please, can I just get a, a flashlight about this size about this size where I press the button and it shines and I press the button off and it turns off can I do that so this thing that you're looking at the folks who are watching the video it actually has one of those heads that you pull down and you raise up and the the width of the beam changes I don't want that so what I did was I extended the head of the flashlight to the beam the the beam size that I like and then I I wrapped a ton of electrical tape around that to hold it in place to make it into a flashlight where I just press the button I get the light I want I press the button it turns off and so there it is if you want to know what kind of flashlight that is that's a Milwaukee it looks like and here's my headlamp simple it's not one of the most expensive it's a Petzeltika, an outdated Petzeltika, because guess what Petzl's doing now with all their headlamps. Press once, this happens. Press twice, this happens. Do this. Plug it into your laptop, and you can program it to shine the way you want it to shine. And then all this bull crap, all this stuff is turning into toys. Yeah, this thing about where you plug it into your laptop and program the thing. Just just give me a light. Just give me a light, will you please? Can I just press the button one time and, and get a light that is useful for all things? There, that is such a thing. So there you go. That's my whole backpack here. The only thing I didn't show you was uh, my food and my blankie. And I explained to the, you for the, re the reasons for that. So, going way over time here, folks. Uh, that's the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for those reviews. You, I, I feel a lot of gratitude for that. I, I know it, it can't be easy all the time to sit down and write a review because they make you jump through so many hoops before you can get the review made and written and everything. So, it, it doesn't that that doesn't escape me. 
Um, for those of you uh, who do like the show and would like to see this continue to go on, that is a very simple, free way for you to uh, encourage me to continue doing these shows. Also, I've got a group, uh, an exclusive group on the Locals platform. There's two ways to join. You can just go open up like a web browser and you can go to thepracticalwoodsman.locals.com or you can download the locals.com app from the app store and uh, then once you're in there, you can search for The Practical Woodsman. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me here and uh, we'll talk to you real soon.